What's going on, guys? It's John and Mike, and we are heading to C2E2 right now. Uh, so we're uh, yeah, in the car. This is uh, so this is gonna be interesting to see how well this all records. Um, but yeah, so uh, we're heading up there right now. We're gonna bullshit as we do, as we uh, as we you know are going. Uh, a lot of stuff in the gaming world is happening, so we're gonna start with uh, shit. I don't know, man. Master Chief Collection's coming to PC. I, I don't know how to react because there was such a long time where people who were in the Xbox world who were like, Halo's never going to come to PC. It's always going to be. I feel like a lot of people forgot that, you know, Halo was on PC at one point. The first one. But. Yes. I, I'm. And, and we're adding Reach. Like, there's so many things that are awesome about this and you got options. Microsoft Store. Steam. Like, fuck it. Like, that's perfect. That's perfect. Yeah, it's crazy it's coming to Steam. Nobody fucking expected that. Like, even though, like, I guess uh, Halo Wars is on Steam. That's Halo Wars. That's Halo Wars. That's not Halo. That's, yeah, that's that's not a Halo game. That's not even that's not even on the same fucking scale. Uh, nobody cares about that, really, in comparison. So, that's crazy. I'm super goddamn excited. I already signed up for the flight beta program. Um, yeah, they're rolling it out. Um, chronologically in which when the games happen so yeah reach is coming out first and um so it's gonna be a rolling release i think they're doing this so like they don't release everything and it's on a fucking fire and it, so i get ptsd from this happening again um don't want that so yeah very excited about that that's great uh google also throwing their hand into the video game ring uh, hand into the ring hat into the ring they're getting into the fucking fight and so we're gonna see stadia is their streaming video game service. I mean, they're doing a lot of interesting stuff, like with like, you're watching a video and then the video ends and it's like, play now. And there's no installing, no patches. That sort of stuff works, if it works. Um, we've seen it before. We've, we've definitely seen this before with OnLive. And if everyone remembers what OnLive was, it didn't really work all that great. And the problem with it is that if you don't have consistent internet, you're not gonna be able to play. Right. They're saying 25 megabytes down is enough, and they're also, which I'm skeptical of. I'm very skeptical. That seems way too low. Um, but on the other hand, I mean, compared to OnLive, this is Google. If, they, if they've True. got fucking data centers up the ass all over the place, so I'm thinking if there's anyone that could do this, it's, it's either Google or Microsoft. I mean, because they're both. But I, I would even put Google ahead of Microsoft as far as, like, infrastructure and data and all that shit. And if anything, I think this would be awesome. If this did take off and was a big thing, I would love for Google to get on the front lines of fighting against ISPs, trying to fucking get data caps taken care of, trying to get infrastructure, you know, nationwide built back up. And people, you know, even, you know, metropolitan areas are fine as far as this is going to be fine for them. But, like, a lot of the country lives in bumblefuck. No, no offense. That don't fine. Have that ability. Ex they just, yeah, they don't have that. Exactly. So, like, if, if, if anyone, this this could be amazing. This could be awesome. I don't like the idea of giving up my games entirely because Google's got a tendency, especially Google, it's a tendency to just be like, you know what, we're done with this thing. We're gone. We're done. Fuck this. And that that's that. Like you can look at like a million different product projects they started and just dropped. So say you're like, this is your prime way of getting into games and playing games and not having to worry about having a multi you know a thousand dollar pc rig to run it or having to spend four hundred dollars on a new console you have it through it's 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 an interesting and it's a good idea but the big question it comes down to is will it work and will you be able to get you know 30 frames a second to 60 frames a second when you're playing because that makes a difference 
Yeah. They're saying 60 frames a second, 4K, potentially. And they're also saying, like, down the road, we got the teraflops to go 8K. And I'm like, oh. okay, all right, sure you do. <laughs> um, that's talking out of your ass. But, okay. Um, so that's great. Maybe. We'll see. Yeah, I'm a little uneasy about, you know, people turning over their fucking, all their game ownership to Google if, if this really does blow up and become a huge thing. Um, we will see. Um, let's see. Uh, Sekiro die, shadows die twice. Sekiro? Sekiro. I don't know. I haven't played it yet. All I got to say is I'm probably going to buy it. It looks, it looks amazing. It looks like Tenchu meets fucking Dark Souls, man. I, I'm very interested, and I'm, I might pick this one up. You haven't played a Dark Souls yet, have you? I have not. I have not played a Dark Souls game yet. Okay. Well then, yeah, we we're gonna you're gonna have to. I mean, this is it's a ball buster. It looks like a ball buster, like the Dark Souls yeah. is. Um, so we'll see. I uh, I don't know. I I beat Dark Souls one and then none of the other ones. Um, for reasons not because of the difficulty, just because I was like, ah, fuck it. Um, but yeah, very curious to see how this goes. What else we got? Um, Marvel. Uh, their the reboot. You know, I was googling that. I couldn't find it. Couldn't find. So this is the part of the episode where I attempt to go to Nerdist.com and read the article about the uh, rumored reboot of these Marvel Netflix shows. But I go to the website and I find out that there's no fucking article. There's only a video. And I'm not going to watch an eight-minute video to find out whether this is true or not. Probably no actual substantial evidence in there. I was kind of annoyed. That's what this is about. Um, just some context here because you probably can't hear what I was saying otherwise. All right, bye. Websites nowadays suck. If you can't fucking just write something down, I want to read it. We still do that. God damn it. It's fucking annoying. Give us that chance to just read it. Let's talk about the ending to Jordan Peele's Us. No, I don't think I will. Not yet. I need to see it. Okay, I'm going to click this article. Oh, yeah, no, it's going to take you right to a video. There's, like, literally no written fucking news about this. According, According to Nerdist. It's the only people that are saying this, though. But let's just say they're right. Let's just say... Yeah, you're going to take me to a YouTube video. Get fucked. <laughs> the rumor is. The rumor is. Isn't that, right now, we'll classify this as a rumor that they're rebooting <laughs> Daredevil and uh, Punisher and all the Netflix shows, essentially, as far as we can tell. And uh, I did see, while I was looking for this, that Marvel is auctioning off, like, all the props from those shows. They are. So, they that's... some of them at C2E2 as well. Oh, good. Yeah, we can see those. Fantastic. Um, so... <laughs> We'll see about that. Um, I yeah, that would bum me out if they rebooted all that stuff, but they probably will. Um, I don't want them to recast everybody. They're going to, and it's gonna fucking. I mean, I don't know. We talked about this earlier, and I really, I, I Charlie Cox is Daredevil. Vincent D'Onofrio is Wilson Fisk. Is the Kingpin. I don't know how you can consider that any differently. I mean, maybe they cast someone good for both characters. That would be that would be awesome. I don't know if you're going to get that same kind of luck again. Uh, same thing with Punisher, man. Like, I just don't know if that's going to be a thing. I don't know if that's going to, like, it's going to be difficult to see how, because it's Disney, how they're going to make that fucking work. Yeah, very curious. Scared, even, yeah. uh, how they will handle all that, but I uh, hope hopefully they, uh, you know, stick to landing. It's all, you know, nice and graceful and they don't fuck it up. Um, don't fuck it up. I mean, I you know if it's a, they have this uh, streaming platform coming out, their Disney streaming thing. That's where like Clone Wars is gonna premiere. So like, if they bring all those shows there and they're awesome again, okay, I'm in. Let's go. Let's fucking go. Let's go there. Let's go to C2E2. Let's go. Let's go. Anything else we're talking about? Here? Okay, we've got nothing. So that's <laughs> fi- that's fine. We're gonna this this show is gonna continue. We're uh, almost there anyway. 
Or just about, in fact. So, we will see you later. Alright, so we just got out of Al the Alien shorts here. Yeah, That's 40th anniversary. Yeah. Uh, we got to see four of the six. Uh, John, what did you think? I, I thought that they all nailed the space trucker trash future that Alien and Aliens projected. That every, every single one hit like the aesthetic marks, too. Like, if you think about it, with the way like Alien is, and the way we kind of like look at what Aliens as a film series is, um, yeah, androids are bad. Yeah, there was there was one particular one that you didn't realize that the main character was an android. I like that. Yeah, right till basically the end, and I like that a lot. Um, I mean, they all basically every director that had a chance to make one of those was like, "How are we gonna do the chestburster?" And I love that because the chestburster is such an iconic part of Alien and Aliens. Um, yeah, I mean, and just the fact that that all could have been. I got to be honest, that was better than Prometheus already. Low bar, but there you go. At least for me. You know, I, I feel like if they gave a, a couple of those guys maybe a million bucks and do fucking one of their own things, I mean, good lord. That, even, even like, the, the, the practical effects looked good. Yeah. Surprisingly. Yeah. yeah like, what they, the budget they had was obviously small, but they also had, like, eight minutes to make something, so they managed to use it well. All the, like, lighting, the sets, everything looked amazing. They had to be kind of uh, careful with how much they showed the alien and which version of the alien they used, whether it's a baby or a big boy. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know, with what they had to work with, holy crap, they nailed it. That was awesome, and I hope that comes out somewhere so other people can see it. Uh, I'm thinking maybe the, since they're doing the 40th anniversary, then maybe they'll be on Blu-ray or DVD or something. I don't know. It friggin' I better. It friggin' better. But, yeah, Alien Shorts was pretty, pretty ballin' here at C2E2 in Chicago. We'll see ya. So uh, we're sitting down with Tom Bilyeu. Tom, you have started Impact Theory, and as we were just being told, it was kind of uh, something that you and Steve had talked about uh, to start Neon Future. Can you tell us a little bit about it? Yeah, so Impact Theory is our, our overall company. We create a lot of content, so we're a media company with designs to be the next Disney. That's sort of the 70-year plan. That's awesome, um, right? In the immediate future, uh, we make non-scripted stuff that we do online so we have a youtube show called impact theory and then we also do uh, we we do about five to seven hours of of content under that umbrella um, and then we also make the comic book so the reason it's called impact theory is my theory on how to impact people at a global scale is through narrative so wanting to do not just the non-fiction stuff but to do fiction so traditional comic books movies tv shows and the like um, neon future came about because I had met Steve and knew that we shared a love for great sci-fi and then techno-optimism. And so he had come on my interview show, Impact Theory, and in researching him, I realized that in real life, he wants to be cryogenically frozen when he dies. And I thought, that's amazing. If you're not willing to give in to death, you're my kind of guy. Um, so we clicked, I pitched him the idea, he liked it, and we collaborated and built it into the comic that it is. So I guess my question, I think you have a kind of a little bit of a question on this, is Jim Kruger, you guys pulled in from DC and Marvel. Like, how did that come about? Yeah, yeah so Jim, Jim is like the linchpin that made all of this possible. That guy is extraordinary. And I met Jim in the most random way you can imagine. I was being interviewed by somebody, and they said, you know, hey, if there's any way that I can help you, let me know. And I said, all right, I tell everybody what I'm up to because you never know who can help you. 
and I said, I'm about to launch a comic book company and I know nobody in the industry. And he was like, oh, actually, I know this guy, Jim Kruger. He's an Eisner Award-winning writer. He used to be a creative director at Marvel. Would that be an interesting introduction? <laughs> and I was like, yes, it would. <laughs> and uh, so literally like a week later, I'm having coffee with Jim and he's just the nicest guy ever. And he knows everyone. And because he's so nice, people want to work with him. And he's an extraordinarily talented writer. So I said, hey, I've got this book coming up with Steve Aoki. It would be amazing to work with you on it. And he was like, yeah, I'm totally down. So I mean, it was so crazy, like how seamlessly it came together. And so he ended up coming on, not only writing the book, but is just like a, a consultant for us in all things comics and is amazing. So outside of, uh, of Neon Future, is there is there more planned outside of, of just that? Are there, are there other people that you're wanting to work with or willing to see like, hey, if you have something interesting, let's figure it out? Yeah, absolutely. So right now we have two more titles that are in development. Um, one is called Power Less and the other is Women of Impact. And we are hungrily trying to meet as many people as we can in the industry, writers, artists, and the like. Um, and we've also begun what I'll call a flirtation with Vault Comics, if you know those guys, as possibly um, so that we don't have to have you know nine or ten books at once, which is what you have to do to continually have Diamond's attention. Um, and we were able to get Neon Future into Diamond, but of course their immediate question is, what else you got? And so keeping that pipeline full could be very difficult. Um, met the guys at Vault. They're extraordinary human beings. These guys are really sharp, man. And I think they're putting out some of the best work in comics right now. So we've begun sort of an early flirtation of what it might look like to um, work with them. Um, and yeah, just reaching out to artists as we speak. There's a ton of people that we would kill to work with. Um, we're definitely going to keep... Yeah, right? Hopefully I don't need to go all the way to murder, uh, but I'm not opposed to it. Um, so we'll keep working with Jim. He's really been amazing. The two writers, or excuse me, two artists that we have on Neon Future, man, I, I'm not letting go of those guys. So we'll always keep a book in their laps. Um, and then, yeah, the, the art in this book is, is ridiculous. And again, that's Jim. So Jim said, hey, look, I know these guys. Let's reach out to them. I think they'd be perfect for the book. They both said yes, largely on the back of Jim and Steve. They're known entities. You know, people are excited to collaborate with them. And then we have an in-house colorist, a guy named Abe Lee, who is, I think, revolutionizing the way that comic coloring is being done. And he's, he's just unbelievable. So, and he's now training more artists, uh, more colorists that we have in-house. Um, so we've now got three colorists trained by him which I think is going to help define the look and feel of us as a studio. Um, so I'm super excited to be working with him. That's awesome. All right. Uh, do you got anything? No, I think you covered it. I don't know. Pretty much, more or less. One last, one last thing for me, because I'm kind of curious, is uh, you guys are also talking about doing YouTube content. So, like, what are you guys kind of... Because a lot of us know that, like, YouTube's kind of in a weird space in terms of how they handle content. What, what are you guys trying to, like, pull yourself away from, like, all the other content creators that are out there? So YouTube has, has been massive for us. We have about a million followers on YouTube. And um, it's, I mean, we've done now probably over 30 million views just on our own YouTube channel. We've had 300 million views across all of social with other people repurposing our content and stuff. So video is our bread and butter. And YouTube is the home for viewership on that. Um, so it, it's really been extraordinary for us. And 
primarily that's all the nonfiction stuff that we do, the interview shows that we have. But we also animated the trailer to Neon Future and put that up on YouTube, which got a really awesome response. Uh, we, that was how we started making inroads into Hollywood. Literally within an hour of posting that on YouTube, we had producers contacting us about the property. So the, the world has just changed and anybody that's playing the game, if you're not, if you don't understand social, so there's a difference between being on social and understanding social. And so we understand social. It's how I built my last company, which we was the second fastest growing company in North America. We took it from not existing to over a billion dollars in valuation in five years all because we understood social. So that's something that as a company, like we really get, and that's why we've made huge investments into video on YouTube. That's fantastic. I Thank you so much for your time. I, I'm really looking for, after reading issue one, Fred sent us a copy, yeah. and it's amazing. It's, it's, a, it's a fun read. It, it kind of has its twists and turns, and it gives you that like whole, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Like kind of like the, the analog versus the digital, I guess, yeah. is the which is kind of what we're seeing now yes. as technology is progressing, and you kind of see like the older people kind of shy away. Oh, it's about like, to get real fucking weird, yeah. and it's already real weird in comics, as I'm sure you guys well know. Yes, and you've got people, and and this is outside of comics, but the the thing that made me the most sad in the last month is that Steven Spielberg is personally trying to stop streaming movies from being. Um, eligible for Academy Awards I saw that. and that that is such a like hey you kids get off my lawn yeah. like uh, like that was heartbreaking doesn't mean it's not worthy no, it's crazy. And here's the thing. Whatever is better for the end user will always win. And having the option to watch it at your house or go into the theater is always going to win. Oh, yes. So, and yes. in comics, the same is true. It is it is going to be, people are going to get it the way they want to get it. And if you, you only need to look at how much of comics is pirated to be like, oh, hey, we should probably solve this problem. Yeah. Right. But, and that's a, that's a long conversation that John and I have had, and we've had with several past guests with us, is that, you know, you mentioned Diamond, and, like, Diamond's kind of one of those things that you look at, and you're just kind of like, in certain instances, it's really great for, like, the publishers and that kind of stuff. But, like, when you look at, like, comic book stores, too, like, they're like, well, what, like, I have all this extra stock, like, you're not going right. to buy this back. But at the same time, like, they're the only game in town. Right. So at a certain point, it's like digital, physical, do I want? And then you also have to think about how, I guess, putting it into like the hands of people like Marvel and DC are putting comics in movie theaters and like you could basically cultivate a whole market. So it's like, that's one of the things I've kind of like been paying attention to. Yeah, it, it, that is, um, that problem has got to be solved. And I think it's going to be up to new publishers like us to help figure that out. Um, so that's that's a big push for us is and and again one of the reasons I'm so excited to work with vault um, and again like we don't have anything like it's pure flirtation but to give them some real credit I think they're being very very innovative in terms of how they distribute um, and so I think they're the people to watch right now which okay. is part of why I want to see if we can align ourselves with them because I, I think they're extraordinary that would be awesome yeah, well, we wish like you guys tons of luck because yeah. thank you neon future is a great read yeah. and Thank you so Sounds much. Like Absolutely. Product and yeah, man, keep going. Thank you very much. I didn't know your YouTube was so successful. That's awesome. That's Thank fantastic. You. Yeah, I. All right, uh, John and I are here with Rob Gullery. For those of you who have heard me speak at length on this podcast about Rob, Rob's done 
artwork for uh, Chew, which is one of my favorite books. And he's currently writing what is probably one of my favorite runs right now is his own series called Farmhand from Image. Rob, thank you so much for taking some time with us. Oh, yeah, no problem. Thanks for having me, dude. So I guess my biggest thing is, uh, you know, there's a lot of, like, um, father-son and and family and kind of, like, coming back home in a sense. Was this kind of born out of, of, you know, your own family, like, familial story or or just kind of personal experiences? Well, I mean, who doesn't have daddy issues, right? True. I mean, I mean, I think think we've all got uh, family stuff going on. Yeah. I mean, some of it is influenced by stuff I've been through. Some of it's been, you know, influenced by things I've seen other people go through. I mean, it's, I think it's pretty universal. And I mean, the reaction I've been getting from people is, you know, everyone's been through similar things and can identify with it to some extent. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, So my biggest takeaway from Chew was you have just such a great, the easiest way for me to describe is you can go from such great detail to almost minute detail and one of my favorite panels is um, he goes to have coffee with his dad's friend the pastor and I love that scene where it's kind of it gets very close and then you pull back and there's like nothing so like is there is there kind of a method to the madness of how you kind of go through because I'm sure when you're writing and having to do artwork, it's kind of, you're trying to figure out how you want to make it all work. It depends. I mean, for for that scene in particular, I knew I wanted to zoom in and really give the audience some vital information to the story. So for something like that, you know, zooming in to the pastor's face as close as I could get and really dialing down the colors, dialing up the blacks, really like lends to that. And then I also knew I wanted to, to switch the tone from being very dark and serious to in the very next panel being light right. and kind of cracking this cracking wise you know <laughs> so I knew that the way to do that would be to pull it back you know minute detail you know take away a lot of the, the, the detail work and just let it let, let their body language kind of the subtlety of the body language kind of carry it yeah so yeah there is a, a thing in my head going on when I'm making it yeah nice um, my favorite other question to ask is I know there's a difference between when you're writing and then when you're drawing. Is there something in particular that you listen to music-wise, or if it's in, like, what, is there something that kind of drives you as you're writing and, and doing art? Uh, lately, I've been doing a lot of uh, like film score. Like, I, I, I love uh, I love uh, Hans Zimmer's work. Uh, you know, Interstellar and uh, damn it, uh, shit. It's the movie. It's the dream movie. Inception. Inception. Yes. yes. Sorry. Yes. Sorry. <laughs> no, Day two. It. It's a Saturday. <laughs> uh, also, the Stranger Things uh, soundtracks. Okay, yeah, I survive. Yeah. I mean, I I usually put that on my on my laptop. Kind of you know have it set back, and just zoom in on the work. Yeah. But I, I when I when I'm drawing, I listen to a lot of podcasts and that kind of thing. But when I'm writing, just sounds film film score kind of stuff. Awesome. I don't want to take any more of your time. Thank you so much for joining us. Hopefully, we can maybe wrap for a little bit longer once con season's over. Absolutely, absolutely. Awesome. Thank you so much, Rob. Yeah, thank you, man. Guys, I'm so happy to finally do this. It's been two years in the making, at least. At least two years, At yes. least. Uh, I am so happy to introduce my good friend, Matthew Waite. Matt, thank you so much for taking a little bit of time. Step away from your booth. I appreciate you. I always appreciate you guys, too. So, And after three years, I finally returned your Deadpool 11 to you that my buddy lost. Finally. But it's fine. Dude, yeah. I'm... It's... So, for those of you who don't know who Matt Waite is, Matt 
is the king of 8-bit art for Marvel Comers. If, if you guys remember, there was a Taco Time variant that was very, very limited. That was Matt. There was, of course, the 11, the Hastings from Deadpool, which was also Matt. Um, dude, you've gotten so many other books that you're doing. You've also done Amazing Spider-Man, you've done Wolverine vs. Hulk, and you've done 8-bit uh, cover art for that. I mean, dude, how do you do, like, fucking, how do, you do it? I fill in squares. That's <laughs> really about well. it. That is, that is basically what it is. I do a grid and I fill in squares. So, like, the Wolverine, the Immortal Hulk number one has 375,000 squares. That's a lot. So, That's a lot of work. Yes. Yeah. So, it's not like people think that I'm cheating. You guys can attest because I have it, my next cover on the yes. table right now. Yes. Yeah. Saw the grid. We did. <laughs> you are seeing what I am doing. Yeah. <laughs> I am mad at what I do, but it gives it the best quality thing that I can do. So people think I just take draw the image, slap a filter on it, done. It's not like that. No. It takes me just as long to hand draw, hand color a, co a cover as it does for me to do a pixelated cover. Because I want that quality. Right. And it's also vector, so I could blow it up billboard size or it could be microscopic. And you've also done a bunch of different like... Because you don't only dabble in the 8-bit realm. You also have a bunch of different other things that you've done print-wise, and one of them got picked up, I think went viral, and someone maybe shared it without giving you credit, was the Han Solo Deadpool. Oh, Deadpool and Carbonite. And the Carbonite. Rob Liefeld. <laughs> Rob Liefeld jacked that? Rob Liefeld put it on his Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and everything, and gave me zero credit for it. Oh, what an asshole. <laughs> but it was, it was, it was definitely one of those moments where like everything kind of blends together it's a little bit of like weird, all, of your... all of a sudden i'm just like my picture's everywhere and i brought it back to the source and there was no name on it yeah and that guy's an artist that, so you would think and that's the same guy that gets really 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 mad when he doesn't get credit on his 98 covers uh redone and everything so it's been interesting to see you work. It's been interesting to see you work because you've had so many different like things that you could kind of like Spider-Man, Hulk, Deadpool. You also currently have a uh, very interesting poster that's currently on your table. Let can you tell me how that kind of came to be? The Where's the Where's Wolverine? Where's Wolverine was my ambition. So when I heard that the title was coming out, I'm just like, I know what to do. <laughs> so I started it. Because that's the way I always pitch. I start it, I send it in, they, and I have to get approval. So I did the initial concept. I started with the characters. I got about halfway done, three quarters of the way done. I sent it in. I'm like, this is what I want to do, guys. I want the Guinness Book of World Records. No response. So I'm like, that got rejected. That's a bummer. As of right now, I have 325 individual characters on there. I have room to put another 275. Is that going to break the record? The record is 232. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. This currently breaks the record. It. Yeah, yeah. All right. Holy oh, that's shit. Awesome. All yeah, right. that's amazing. So, <laughs> I will eventually do the final completed one down the road. But as of right now, I wanted to just get out there. I wanted to see the response, like, if I should continue it. 
Right. The response has been overwhelming. People are just like dead stop looking, stopping. Where is he? Where is he? And you've got some great references yeah. in there. You even make an appearance in there. <laughs> you got to you put yourself you gotta, in there. You got to make sure that you're yeah. in there. Yeah. You got to be noticed. Yeah. There'll be credit that time. Yeah. <laughs> right there. Yeah. See, that's me. Yeah. Um, so I'm, I'm kind of curious uh, when you're when you're kind of creating your covers and you're going through. What are what are you listening to, or are you listening to anything while you create the covers, or when you're going through like mock-ups? I. What, when I work, I don't watch anything new. So I always have Netflix, Hulu, whatever. But it's usually stuff that I've watched so many times that I know what's going on it's in my head. Noise. Yeah. So either that or it's usually a Gordon Ramsay show. <laughs> That's awesome. That's actually oh, really yeah, interesting. I, every once in a while, because it, it, strangely enough, hearing Gordon Ramsay says, pick up your shit, you fucking donkey, actually <laughs> motivates you like, oh, shit, I better work faster. <laughs> I wonder what that would be like. That actually, we should pitch that show. Gordon Ramsay in like a comic book drawing room, like yelling at people. Yeah, I don't think he knows anything though. Probably not, like, but he could just yell now. He could just yell at people though. <laughs> I mean, that, I mean, he does that really well anyway. So. Truth. Well, dude, we don't want to take any more of your time, but I'm hoping once con season's kind of on its yeah, way out. I got some upcoming projects that I'm working on. Hopefully, launching a web comic here coming up. Probably, I'm hoping within the next two months. Oh wow. Uh, again, going back to my love of old school video games, it's the basic concept of what happens after you, turn, you beat Zelda. Okay. Everything resets. Oh, yeah, yeah. So. Interesting. Yeah. Well, dude, thank you so much. We'll let you get back to your table. Appreciate it, Appreciate man. Appreciate it. Thank you, guys. Thank you. What is going on, guys? This is John. We're checking in here. We are about midday, let's say, over at C2E2. Uh, we've seen all manner of wild shit. The amount of cosplay players here, cosplayers, excuse me, is fucking ridiculous. Uh, we saw a lady dressed as Woody. Um, as you would imagine, since it was a lady, her ass was way out. That is the tone here at C2E2. It's pretty fantastic. Um, yeah, we're going to eventually go out. We've interviewed some people. Ideally, you're hearing this after that, if I edit this correctly. If I did not edit it correctly, then this is all fucked up. Anywho, we're going to go buy some stuff here eventually, but I'm going to pass it over to my boy uh, Michael Hilger here, and he's going to tell you some things. It's, uh, it's been an interesting two days uh, at C2E2. You, you kind of get to see a lot of different sides of fandoms, uh, from anime to furry to... You know, uh, comic books and and movies, and it's it's a little bit of something for everyone, and that's something that I've always really enjoyed about C2E2. And not only is it just like having you know coming through and having some drinks and hanging out with friends, but you also have the ability to you know meet your favorite voice actor. You know, Nolan North is here today, or and and, and through the weekend, you know, John Barrowman. From fucking Arrow and and fucking Doctor Who is here. You know, there's all these opportunities for you to meet different people, and I think that's the most interesting part because like you have Wizard World, and like I feel like on a comparison level, like Wizard World's nowhere near this. Even Heroes and Villains is nowhere near this. I mean, I don't know. Have you been? You've been to Wizard World, right? Uh, yeah. 
been to Wizard World once years ago at this point, but uh, yeah, I mean, it, it does not compare to this. This is like the nerd mecca of the Midwest, it seems. Like, when we parked our car, we were next to somebody from Michigan and what the fuck? New Jersey. New Jersey. Okay, so they came far. Um, or they just rented a car. Regardless, they must have rented the car if they lived far away. My whole point stands. Uh, it's This is the place to be. If you're a nerd, yeah, and no matter what, like, anime is, is represented here. Comic books, superheroes, video games. It's a whole huge video game section that I didn't notice last time I was here. It's definitely grown. Um, new arcade games I never saw. Must have been from fucking Japan. I'm always elated when I see video games that aren't dumbass phone games blown up to the big here's cut the rope and splash the water and kill yourself. Like just that is like alright. That I don't want to see that shit. Don't go to Dave and Buster's. That's all that is. But here you see new awesome arcade games that I don't even know what the fuck they're doing. But you know what? That shit ain't on a phone. So a big fan of that. Also someone is playing uh, WWF no Mercy on the N64. They got that set up on a CRT 4x3 TV. God damn, it looks beautiful. That is the best wrestling game of all time. I stand by that. And it it's crazy how wrestling games have only gotten worse as time's gone on. Like, it's fucking insane. I'd actually have to completely agree with you there. That is one thing we will we will always be in agreement on is No Mercy. No Mercy was definitely hands down. I thought that was interesting. John pointed that out as we were walking through there. Because the game section here has actually grown since, I think, the last three years. Because, like, usually it's, like, kind of over here and they have, like, CRTVs and maybe a couple of newer systems. Uh, but the section they have this year is, I mean, you have Initial D, which is, like, the racing game where you actually sit down. They have a Walking Dead game where you have to like get in and you're shooting zombies and whatever. Uh, they have Alienware PCs set up to play fucking uh, Overwatch. And you also have Xbox One set up for fucking Call of Duty. Like, it's insane. There's so many different things. And it's nice to see that. Like, there's a lot of things that I always felt like, especially being us being from Chicago and being in Chicago for a convention, I feel like we miss out on, like, what we had yesterday, NetherRealm, you know, being able to sit in and hear how they kind of go through and storyboard different things. And that's just one of the things that I feel like C2E2 could actually expand upon, which would be kind of nice if they could figure out what other developers they could bring in. Yeah. Yeah. The fact that it's not just focused on comics. Oh, my God. Comics is highly represented. Don't get us wrong here. Holy shit. If you like comic books, this is the place to be. And far and away, most of the people dressed up and cosplaying here are comic book people. And sometimes you'll see anime people. And sometimes you'll see a Spider-Man Super Saiyan Goku. And you're just like... That guy's got it. He knows exactly where the fuck he is. And I was like, this is fantastic. Um, another cool thing. Another another cool thing. We'll stay, we'll stay in video games here for a second. But, like, they had a fighting game, like, whole system set up where, like, if you want to play Dragon Ball Z Fighters, Dragon Ball Fighter Z, I forget what the fuck it's called. You can play that. You can play the new Street Fighter. That's cool, too. I don't know. Like, everything's represented here. From first-person shooters to fucking classic wrestling games to fighting games. We've got you covered here at C2E2. It's pretty great. And we're drinking Revolution beer right now. That's pretty great. Nothing to dislike about that. If you, don't, if you dislike that, then I dislike you. What's going on, guys? It's Mike. And John again. And we're here bringing you this week's episode of Beard Stroking Bullshit. Actually, this wow. is our our wrap-up yeah. episode. This is going to seem really fucked up because it's coming at the end of the episode. So, But this yeah. is how we do the beginning of the episode. But it doesn't matter. It's the beginning of the end. Ho-ho. Yes. It's, yeah. uh, it was a weekend, John. We, uh, 
there's a lot of things that uh, we got to experience uh, from the Mortal Kombat 11 panel uh, to Alien, uh, which we talked about a little bit. I kind of want to go back to that really quickly, if that's okay. Yeah, let's 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 go back. Let's go because I find it interesting that you know I was talking with some friends about it because there were some people who hadn't actually had a chance to go see uh, that panel and see what the the, the fan films were. Um, and I'm curious, I'm hoping they're releasing them on either social media or in the 40th anniversary bundle as bonus features. Yeah, I don't it know. seems like a safe bet. I mean, they're not going to make those for nothing. Like, they're going to get out there. But yeah, no, those were those were really just... <sighs> I know we said it after we saw it, but man, it just it felt good to watch something that wasn't a typical alien romp. Like, it was a typical alien romp, but it gave us throwaway characters that you actually did really care about you know what i mean i do i do know what you mean hold on someone on discord's being an ass I, <laughs> uh, fucking come play firestorm i don't own battlefield 5 asshole yet uh that firestorm is the new battle royale mode though in battlefield 5 so hey that's news but yes no i mean holy shit i just thought those shorts were fucking amazing from like again what i said earlier probably repeating myself a bit here but like from an atmospheric standpoint from a set standpoint like it just showed what these directors can really do and just like perfectly capture the alien like vibe better than fucking even really scott could do when he revisited that shit um, and whatever that Prometheus sequel was, Prometheus, yeah, what, not even Prometheus because they weren't trying to go for it there, but whatever oh, the Alien, kind of, yeah, whatever the fuck they called it, Alien, whatever, Re- uh, Regenesis. I don't know what it. I don't know what it was. Um, I don't remember either, which is sad. <laughs> I remember seeing that movie and thinking, boy, that was better than Prometheus, but the bar was so low. I don't. I was. I saw it with somebody who was also like, how come that wasn't the sequel to Prometheus I wanted? I'm like, oh wow, here's somebody who wanted a sequel to Prometheus. Wow, yeah, we should put you in a fucking zoo and then, like let people like stop by and look at you. Now, I mean, some people like that movie, and that's fine. You can be on the wrong side of history. What I'm saying here is that those shorts were pretty good as far as capturing the vibe of Alien. What did you think? How, how did you feel about uh, about C2E2 and just being able to kind of, you know, uh, oh, walking around and seeing everything? I fucking love it, dude. It's the, it's the nerd mecca, dude. From everything, everything is represented. Every No nerd is turned away, whether you're a fanatic of fucking anime, cartoons, comics, superheroes in general, video games. Like, it's if you've got a nerdy passion, that is the place to be. And I, I just felt so at home just walking around. I could just pick out so many characters, so many I couldn't. I'd be like, who the fuck is that supposed to, person supposed to be? I remember I saw that dude dressed up as Nightwing with, like, a blue dog head. And, oh, yeah. And, I, like, three times I saw him, and I'm like, who the fuck is that? Like, I wanted to ask him, but I didn't want to just be like, I didn't know any way to broach the conversation except by saying, hey, so you're, like, Nightwing with a blue dog head? The fuck's with that? Like, I don't know how else to say that. So I, instead I've, I said nothing and just continued to stare at him. Um, but yeah, no, I loved it, dude. It's, uh, I ended up spending uh, more on comics than I expected. <laughs> and, um, yeah, I almost spent more, more, more. Um, but, uh, you know, I don't think you're doing C2E2 right. If you're not spending more money than you expected to spend, that is part of the fun. Um, yes. yeah. I mean, I, I had a fucking riot. How about you? I, um, I'm exhausted. My, my, well, you went all three like, days as well. Yes. That's, that's the difference. I only went Saturday. Yeah. Because of my um, my body really just did not want me to get out of bed today, um, but you know it's it's in the end of the, at the end of the day it's it to me it feels all worth it because there's so many different 
you know, cosplays you'll see. Like there's one today that someone posted uh, in the C2E2 group on Facebook that I apparently missed really badly because it was um, two girls dressed up uh, kind of in Old West attire and they were pushing around uh, a larger size wagon that was set up as the bath from Red Dead 2. And it actually had like one of them had a sign that said deluxe bath 50 cents. (laughs) Um, That's pretty funny. I was like, God damn it, I'm so mad I missed that. There was a lot I feel like I missed in terms of seeing really awesome cosplay. Like, I do know I missed some Payday uh, 2 cosplayers that were there. Um, There was a lot of really cool, like, uh, DC. Uh, I saw some uh, uh, Teen Titans, uh, like the cartoon, not the not the gritty reboot that oh, yeah. we've seen. I think uh, I saw them action. too. It was a good. There was a good Raven, a good Starfire. Yeah, and, and that's like, the yeah, cool Starfire, thing. Starfire, hello. Really get into it and really get into like the style of what they're trying to portray. Um, and there's some even better ones that are just absolutely hilarious. Like there was someone dressed up as a Mortal Kombat cabinet, like the arcade cabinet oh, yesterday. That's good. That is pretty good. Yeah. Um, so it's been cool, man. Like I, I just like, I didn't get any other uh, interviews yesterday cause there was a lot of stuff that we were trying. By the time we got on the floor, uh, we were going to head up for the David Tennant spotlight panel, which was on the main stage. Mm-hmm. Uh, by the time we hit the floor, it was already at capacity, uh-huh. uh, which was, uh, you know, uh, uh, assumed that that was going to happen cause it's David Tennant. Um, but no, it was still a really good time. Uh, I miss, I miss the fact that it's already over. I don't miss how much money I've spent. Um, cause that was just, oof. yeah, like you, I spent a lot of money on comics and some, some artwork that I bought yesterday yeah. and not all of it was even for me. It was just like, there was a dude who had uh, that two for 20 or four for 20. So you got like four prints for 20 bucks. No, you're losing money if you don't get all four. So I grabbed, yeah. So I grabbed, I grabbed him a, a venom snake for a buddy of mine. And then I also grabbed a Geralt, really awesome poster from a different vendor or a different artist. Oh, nice. But that was the other thing, too. You know, there's a lot of fucking cool people we got to talk to that you guys have already heard. Um, you know, Rob Gullery is, has been, a, I've been a longtime fan of. Um, and I'm, I'm kind of trying to figure out when things kind of settle down for him. We can bring him on and talk a little bit more at length about Farmhand and a yeah. little bit maybe about Chew. Yeah, that would be awesome, man. I hope to get Rob back on here. Happy to finally actually meet the guy. I'm like, oh, you're right. Yeah. A face well, yeah, voice. that's 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 Rob Gullery. Um, Rob Sheridan, uh, I, I did reach out to and speak to today. He's uh, he's open later this week, so we can talk to him about high level uh, yeah. two. I knew about the different Robs. I'm just saying, I never yeah. even Googled the other guy to see like what, <laughs> what, oh. what anyone looks like. So I was like, oh, yeah, hey, you're okay, cool. Hi, um, hello. So, yeah, and that's that's the cool thing about C2E2 is you get to really see the people who create the art that brings you the worlds that you get to inhabit when you're reading a comic book. Um, so we hope you guys have enjoyed. Um, I'm really excited. I, I can't wait for the next convention. Like I, I, I know it's a year away, but um, it's going to be, it's going to be fun, man. Oh I, yeah. I can't wait to go back. Oh yeah. Next year is going to be a damned fucking hoot. Um, and real quick, I'll just give you yeah. my uh, Sekiro impressions. Oh I yes. I think that's, that's right. how you say it. Sekiro, um, real real funny thing, real quick. You know that that Sekiro is like the name of your character, kind of, um, because the name of your character is actually Wolf. Everyone calls you Wolf, but I ran into a dude to do a side mission for him, and your character is like a no nonsense. He doesn't really want to conversate with anybody. Like so, any, whenever you hit like talk to somebody, it's very like it's obvious. That he's like doesn't really want to talk to him. He's like, mm, huh, okay, okay, whatever. Um, but uh, <laughs> so this dude asked you, he's like, "What's your name?" And 
because he was a friendly dude. And I was just like, he, and like, he just didn't say anything. He was like, dot, dot, dot. And he was like, okay, well, I'll just call you Sekiro. And then it's like, and he was just like, anyway, so you want to kill these rats for me? His mission was literally to kill rats. Um, wow. But it wasn't, but it wasn't like the RPG rats quest that you're thinking of. It was, it, it, it was weirder. Anyway, um, I, and so that's the only time I heard Sekiro in the game. And so I think that's, it's this one dude who just calls you that, I guess. I don't know. Maybe something's lost in translation. I was just like, what the fuck? All right. I guess that. Okay. Anyway, the game itself, though, is super fucking fun while also being one of the most punishing games that I've ever played. Um, and I beat Dark Souls 1, uh, played Dark Souls 2 and 3 pretty significantly through. Uh, only dabbled in Bloodborne. Um, but either way, I'm, I'm familiar with From Software's brutal fucking way they handle games. And uh, this is no different. Um you will get fucked. I've been fucked. The world has been fucked by this game, and you will keep. You will continue to press forward, though. Um, that is the idea, anyway, because it's at a certain point. It's like, so you die, you lose, you lose half your shit, you lose half your money and XP. You die right. again, you lose your XP and money again. It's like, okay, so now I have nothing. Now I'm just running in like <laughs> fuck it. Like I don't even care at this point. I'm not getting that next level. Not here. Not now. Um, so whatever. Um. And there, there are definitely several bosses where I'm just like, you know what? I can't do this. I need to leave and come back because I just am not good enough. The thing about this game, though, is like you are not really getting stronger. You're getting new abilities. You're upgrading your health and how often you can heal yourself. But generally, you, I guess uh, technically it does seem to imply you are getting stronger, but there's no like RPG skill system where you're like, I'm going to put this much into strength and this much into dexterity. It's You're just the character, and there does seem to be, like, I killed two main bosses and, like, eight sub-bosses at this point. So I'm I'm in the game. I'm past the intro. Damn. Um, but I know this is, like, nothing. Um, <laughs> real quick, I'm going to actually see how many hours I have in this game because I'm fucking curious because I played yeah, it. You, I, you picked I, it up, like, the night we got back. And I poop socked that thing. Like I played it as much as I possibly can. Yeah, four, I played it for fourteen hours in like two days. Oh my god! So that's a lot of Sekiro. Um, that's a lot of Sekiro. And yeah, so what that game is all about like prioritizing uh, defense over offense. That is the big thing that it does. In that's so what I've been seeing. Is yeah, I feel like you're you're better off to not rush in, just waving the fucking katana around. Like you've got to take a little time. Like you can get the drop, like you can get the drop on people, which is kind of cool. Yeah, uh, and, and 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 execute some sweet like assassinations, I would call it. Yeah, exactly. Um, but the rest of the time, I feel like it's just like, hey, you should probably not just run headlong into this. Well, yeah, I mean, the thing is, the thing is, uh, so yeah, it's like a, it's just, it's like a stealth game. Um, as in. You're supposed to take it easy and stuff and, like, be sneaky and kill as many people as you can while while not being seen. Okay. Um, but very often, once you kill one guy, everyone's like, what the fuck was that? Like, and then everyone's yeah. on high alert. And then you can, like, run away, hide again, come back, kill a few more dudes. This is especially helpful when you're fighting a sub-boss who's surrounded by, like, regular enemies. So, like, you'll pop into an area... What I what I did, I was struggling against this one boss. I fought him probably like twenty fucking times, and he was just a sub boss. 
but he was surrounded by like nine guys and I was just like fuck and I've tried I tried every different way to get around him but eventually what I ended up learning or working rather is I just killed all the riflemen I went through and I assassinated one rifleman and then that would inevitably bring like three other dudes who were like on me and I would try to kill as many of them as quickly as possible I would kill as many people as I could up until the boss realized what the fuck was happening and then I was like whoop time to go and I would just run away and then uh, and then come back kill as many more foot soldiers as I could also there was a guy in that scenario that's like just banging a pot like when everything's like popping off like the alarm that they had was like this dude in like a ghillie suit hitting a pot and it was like the most <laughs> annoying thing and so like, like I learned to be like I'm just gonna fucking stab you in the throat second like I, I, can't, I cannot get to him first it's impossible but it's like the minute I could I was like just shut the fuck up um, and yeah so basically I mean you gotta get good at blocking cause Stabbing is not always effective. I mean, sometimes though there are bosses where blocking is not effective, and you have to be on the offensive. So like it changes it up. Um, but I just you know it's it it it's like Dark Souls, but not really at all. It doesn't really play like it, um, except when it does. It's very it's so fucking <laughs> weird. Like because you can jump super high in this game. Um, you could barely jump at all in Dark Souls. You have a grappling hook in this game. You can grab ledges in this game. All stuff you couldn't do in Dark Souls. Um, you don't have a stamina meter. So you could just, if you want to keep fucking swinging that sword ad infinitum, you absolutely could. Wow. Um, but that is not what you want to do. Uh, there's a reason <laughs> they let you do it, because that is not the way to success, generally. Um, and, yeah, it's, uh, it, it, but you don't have a stamina meter, but you do have a posture meter that you're trying to break your opponent's posture while also maintaining yours, and that's something that, like, raises and lowers as you block and deflect, and it's, it's it, you know, I always look at games and I'm just like, oh, so this game's coming out and it's copying Batman's combat system. Interesting. Okay, I guess that's fine. This game looked at, like, multi-enemy combat and was just like, we're going to do something totally different. And it's not going to be like any game out there. And it isn't. I can't think of a single game that handles this this way. Because even Dark Souls, you can't fucking block like that in this game. And weapons will all feel totally different than your katana in this game. And, yeah, it's just fucking awesome. It's awesome if you're willing to take the punishment. I could definitely see a lot of people just bouncing off this and be like, fuck this. This is not fun. Um, yeah, I uh, I checked out a couple of streamers from Saturday to, to to yesterday who were playing it and just like, man, there were some of them who were just like, I don't know what to fucking do. Like at this point, like I have no fucking clue what to do. And like they're trying everything in their ability to like figure out how to like get around one of the sub bosses and then only to get to the actual boss and realize like, Holy fuck, this is way, this is even harder. Was it, it wasn't the lady butterfly. Was it? Did yes. You know? Oh my God. Okay. So he was having trouble with the big motherfucker. Yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah. Okay. This is not the boss I was talking about earlier. That was a later fucked up boss. Um, <laughs> and I was like also struggling with that guy. I fought him probably like 20 times too. And I was just like, I don't, I don't know how to do this. I don't know how. Um, but I yeah. did. Fi I did figure there is a way. Here's a, here's here's a way. Um, you go over. You take out as many. Actually, I found it pretty easy to kill all the regular enemies around that guy because that dude's particularly slow. So if you, as long as you're relatively swift and you know who to strike first, you can kill all the enemies without like running away and coming back and all that shit. Because you kill all the enemies, then you run away. Sub boss gets disinterested. He's like, "Fuck it, I'm fat and big. I'm just gonna walk back to my door." While he does that. 
You run up, you stab him in the back, all right? Now you've taken off one of his health bars right there and then. That's that's the way to go. Then, then, you need to go. There's a guy hanging out by the fucking water. You talk to him, and then he'll oh, help yeah. you fight. That's what he figured out, too. There was a dude just standing there, and he just, like, walked over. And then, like, the first time he did it, the guy, like, the guy's like, let's do this, and, like, runs in, like, tell him, like, why he's going to kill him. And then the dude just got trounced. That's just a- got yeah. Yeah. Well, I because I did the same thing. Because initially, I'm like, "All right, we're going in." I talked to the guy right away, and then I'd rush in and try to fight the boss and the guys. He'd be like, "You know, the guy will either distract the boss or the guys, and I'll handle the boss, whatever." But instead, I did it this way, where I've already killed all the enemies. I have damaged the boss. He's half dead essentially. Then I talk to the guy. Then I'll, so now it's two on one. And so while even if that guy is just pulling his fire, just aggroing the fucking sub boss, I'm able just to slash the. Sh- that is the instance where I'm like mashing R1, the right bumper for this regular attack. Just hit him as much as I fucking can, and and that and I get I ended up getting him down to like half health, and then then that guy died again, and then I had to play it like real careful because that guy's fucking shit. He can just destroy you if you're if you're not careful, like any enemy. If you're just not careful, like there are tons of times where I'm like, oh, these are just regular guys, whatever. I, and I'm like, and I'm like really close to leveling up. I've got a fuck ton of money and I'm just like so confident. I'm like, I got this. And I else get shot in the back by an arrow, stabbed in the front. And another guy will come out of nowhere and just stab me again. I'm like, I'm dead. Great. Fucking awesome. <laughs> and so you're just like, you know, you're like in this, you have this false sense of security. You're like, oh, I got this. I'm good. And even though if you've played the scenario a dozen times, something could go wrong. And all of a sudden you're, you like the little guys can just fuck you up the easiest enemies can destroy you if you let them so there's really no no uh relaxing in Sekiro it's like and oh my god oh my fucking god I was I was I was on the rooftops I'm fighting these like dudes dressed like birds as far as I can tell these are actually humans um uh and but there are this takes place in feudal Japan during a, a particular era and it's like everything is like super realistic and awesome and it's like yeah this is totally feudal japan and all of a sudden there's a giant fucking snake and it's like that doesn't seem like it was historically accurate but okie dokie <laughs> and so every now i'm running into weird shit where i'm just like this is definitely not real but anyway these guys are dressed up as birds i'm getting th- i'm in this crazy fight i fight like seven of them i'm on a rooftop i'm like oh that was fucked up i finally got them all I was like, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna walk to the edge of this thing and then heal up. I should have healed up immediately, but instead I didn't, and that cost me everything because I then I walked a few foot, few feet forward, and then a fucking one of these birdmen fly from the fucking sky like there was this platform in the air, like 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 300 feet in the air, and he just fl- he's like a little speck and he just flies at me, and I, I noticed him at the last second. I'm like, hey, what the fuck's that? Boom! Like right right into me, dead, and I'm just fucking like out of nowhere. I'm just like, what the fuck was that? I've never seen anything like that i don't know what the hell that was and now i've when i get to that part i just i take cover because he flies at you every single time but at the first time that happened i'm just like what the fuck like are you just trying to make me mad because i'm mad that was upsetting um but yeah i'm really really liking it like i i cannot wait to get back to it um and just see where the fuck it goes the story unlike dark souls which is which was Holy shit, incomprehensible. Like, I don't know anything about what the fuck that thing was about, and I beat it. I couldn't tell you a single plot point. Um, this actually has a story and characters and stuff, and um, while it's not like fucking Shakespeare or fucking Christopher Nolan or anything, it's pretty good. 
it's still pretty good. It's still like there's like something going on here that's it's vaguely intriguing. And it's and it's but it's also like vague in the way Dark Souls was where they're not spelling everything out and they're just kind of being like Remember what happened that night? No. Okay, I'll tell you one day. What? What are you talking about? What? All right, whatever. And so <laughs> I don't know. I, I just, yeah. I mean, if this intrigues you, if you like a ball buster of a game, if you liked Dark Souls for its difficulty, but and you want something kind of like that, but doesn't play like that at all, uh, Sekiro could very well be, like, your game of the year. Right now, I am loving the hell out of it. So, yeah. Damn. Yeah, yeah I don't know I, if that's I hope the game should, for me. I, sh- I hope you should get it. You should get it, and I would love to, love to hear your thoughts. <laughs> that's going to just be me cursing. I know, but then you're streaming. That'd be hilarious. Oh, that's very true. That'd be very funny. I'd have to keep a death counter. I would, I would, Uh, uh, oh my God, dude, I wish I was keeping a death counter. I'm way over 100 at this point. I've got to be. I've got to be. Like, there are so many sequences where I'm just like, run, die, run, die, run, die. I'm just like, (laughs) like, it's just a fucking tragedy every time. But I, I, uh, yeah, I I really can't uh, emphasize enough how much I'm enjoying it. Like, it's, it's super good. But, uh, but yeah, so that's Sekiro. This has been C2E2. I hope hope you guys enjoyed our episode. You know, we're gonna interview more people next year. We're gonna have more to say. We kind of we're gonna try to get into a couple more cons. I think before this year's out, probably think, because now we know we have pressabilities. Pressability. Press. Press, press con, c- credentials. Press credentials. <laughs> yes, we have the ability to get press badges potentially. Yes. That's pretty cool. So, and that will allow us to talk to way more people and have more interesting content for you guys. Because outside of just listening to us ramble like incoherent, drunken buffoons, uh, there's probably other things you want to hear uh, than us talk about this kind of stuff uh, week in and week out. And that's what we're trying to do. We have some plans. We have some things we're going to try to do. Change it up a little bit. And we hope you guys enjoyed this one because this one was a lot of fun to do. Uh, it was exhausting. But at the same time, we talked to a bunch of fucking cool people. That's, yes. I think that's it, John. I don't, I don't think there's anything else for us to say. I think I think that is it. Hilger, where can they find you on the internet today? Guys, on the internet, you can find me over on Twitter, at mhilger, on the tweets. You can also follow me and, and, and watch me stream when I do stream at twitch.tv slash stickinthebox. John, where the fuck can they find you? Oh, you can find me on YouTube at Isaac Haas, or you can go to www.hoz.zone. That is www.hoz.zone. I'm also on Twitter. At Posh, P-O-S-C-H. Those are really the only two places that matter uh, to you out in podcast land. But for everyone else, if you don't want to check me out, that's fine. Everyone else, though, (laughs) hey, I will see you guys, and Hilger will see you guys next time.